Create, connect, communicate. Create, connect, communicate. Did you guys fool around where it's just make right, out exactly. or is it like, did y'all, yeah, like, was it beyond that? You made yeah. it home? Like, we uh, powdered his balls. We, we had, we. <laughs> <laughs> We've had some uh, entanglement, as Jada Pinkett Smith would uh, say. Exactly. <laughs> we brought out the baby powder. Oh my goodness! Entangled ourselves. Was, it was a mess. It looked like I had I did coke all night. I was on a coke bender. I know, or something. but that was just talcum. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's like the greatest excuse right. ever. Now you can just <laughs> use that. It's baby powder. It's baby it's powder. My balls, okay? Right, right. I got a powder all over the place. Like it's setting powder for our makeup. You know, we have to use that. So. <laughs> and I don't know why it's so much in my nose. It's just whew, strange. Aye, aye, aye. Exactly. <laughs> we are bringing that show to Taiwan. Oh my gosh. Coming it's going to be lit. It's going to be lit. Life in Taiwan. There you go. There yep. you go. Mm -hmm. Exactly. A little foreshadowing for those who don't know. <laughs> have to rewind and look back on this and say, oh my goodness, they said it on November right? 17th. We called it. Exactly. We called it. Lit. It's going to be lit. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's it. It's just. Mm -hmm. And life in Taiwan can be lit. It, it can be it in can a good be way. A dumpster fire. Exactly. <laughs> you literally stole the words out of my mouth. Really? Straight up. Yeah. We're on the same wavelength right now. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's amazing. But that's, that's what it would be. It would be that, yeah. I know. It would be right. pure entertainment. And you can say, this is the space where we, the birth exactly. of the show or whatever. We have whatever. just given birth without oh, baby powder. I know. <laughs> I don't know what, what women complain about all the time. This is easy. This is, this is light exactly. work. It's light easy. work, no reaction. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 my goodness. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. And then also... People who their parents went to TAS as well, wow. like way back in the day. So, okay, yeah, gotcha. But of course, cool. English-speaking community, you know. I know. I really appreciated that when you invited me on. I was like, oh my god, thank God I get to speak English. I know because exactly. I, I've actually have been on a podcast before. I, I think I already told you. Um, eighty percent was speaking English, twenty percent Chinese, and at, at one point they had a one of the one of the moderators had to interject and be like, uh, "Taylor Nikai, you know, can you can you speak a little bit more Chinese?" I was like, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> you know, because their audience is Chinese, and you know, fucking know. Hell. they're like they're not going to understand you, right? And you know, I'm not even saying complicated words, but it's like I get it. I'm talking faster, and it, it's a foreign language for most of them. But it's just like that's how I can emote, and right. that's yeah. Yeah, you're That's more how I can truly there. explain myself. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, so I was very relieved when Ryan was speaking in English. I was like, "Oh, that's so cool." Yeah, exactly. My language. <laughs> it's your chance. It's your turn, girl. I know. I'm. I'm All ready. Right. You tell Let's me. Let's hear these English skills. Oh boy. Uh. -uh. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So I will give you a little bit of an introduction, and then we'll just uh, we'll go. Okay. Cool. All right. Here we go. Good afternoon. And welcome back to another episode of Firelight Chats, where we broadcast the most super, natural, and compelling voices and stories from our Space Lab studio here in Da'an, Taipei, Taiwan. 
In a recent episode of Firelight Chats, episode 47, we spoke with Ryan Chen, the international affairs manager and English broadcaster for the Plus League, aka the PLG, one of two men's professional basketball leagues here in Taiwan. The other league is the T1, which was founded in 2021, one year after the PLG's inaugural season. In that episode with Ryan, he shared an improbable story of his sister and how she got her start as an English language broadcaster slash announcer for that rival league. This other half of this dynamic Mike commentating duo, the Ing to her siblings Yang, the daughter to her lioneer of a father, kicked off this new life of hers on one of the most historic days in Taiwan basketball to date. On November 19th, 2022, the new Taipei CTBCDEA was matched up against the Taoyuan Leopards, which also happened to be the first game in Taiwan of one of the NBA's most recognizable and talked about basketball stars, a champion with the Los Angeles Lakers, an eight-time All-Star, eight-time All-NBA team honoree, five-time All-Defensive team member, and three-time Defensive Player of the Year, Mr. Dwight David. Howard the second, also known as Dwight Howard, aka Superman. Today, we'll sit down and chat by the fireside with this superwoman, sister, and hear her side of the story. A compelling commentary that switches back and forth between Taiwan and the United States, from Taipei to Northern Cali, from TAS in the ROC to USF in the USA, from Chinese to English and code switching along the way, Zhou Yingwei, from playing sports to the business of sports marketing, and from communication studies to professional broadcasting. Which leads, in due course, sneaker head first, of course, to the basketball court, giving voice, color, character and charisma to that faithful game. So good it had a Euro step in and out of a closet, put on a cape, alley-oop off the baseline and fly into overtime. Whistle blows. Game on. She's only just begun. T1. Free throw sunk. Game already won and on and on to the next ones. So with that, we're back and we're here to chat spark up some stories and simply just have some fun on the mic freestyle paint some pictures with oil and old school gasoline powered words on a classic canvas like a cadillac or a datsun juxtaposed against the bright red lacquered grand hotel with our special guest for this latest episode of firelight chats the one and only miss taylor mother La 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 Chen. What's good, Kane? Oh my goodness. I'm afraid that I cannot live up to that uh that narrative that you pulled out. That's amazing. Welcome, welcome. Thank my you. dear. It's uh it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. I am so happy to have you here. The sister, the ing to the young. Oh my goodness. You honestly, you have quite the amazing voice. In my head, I'm like, he might be taking my job at T1. Shoot. Exactly. Like, See you later. Mm-hmm. No. All right. No. Well, if anything, no. You are the woman. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. You have already commentated on the most historic game here in Taiwan, as we said from the outset. It's it's pretty amazing. I say it all the time. This season that I called Dwight Howard's game, like his debut, was it was a storybook kind of moment for me when we called the game, and just the whole entire season it was just like all I could say to people is it was unreal. I know yeah. it's so crazy. As I mentioned, it was November nineteenth, twenty twenty two, late last year. It's almost a year. Just past a year. Oh wow! Yeah. It's literally like two days. It's we'll just say it's a year. Yeah, this is yeah, the anniversary right. of that game. Very much so. Yeah, that's crazy. I was I was very fortunate enough to call the game with the previous national basketball coach Charlie Parker. So it was fantastic to have him as a partner because coming into it, I actually had zero broadcasting experience. I only had a couple days to cram for this amazing game. The game that you know a lot of people probably it was their first exposure to Taiwanese basketball. So I know that's great. crazy. When Ryan mentioned that, he's like, she had no experience. She just got called up for it. It was yeah. like rush. So how did you get the news about this? Oh gosh. Well, actually, the rumors about Dwight Howard playing in Taiwan had been happening for at least a couple of months. So I heard about the rumors, but in my mind, I'm like. As someone who used to work at an agency, until I see this person in Taiwan in the uniform, I'm not going to believe those rumors. But like early November, Dwight posted on his own Instagram, mm. "I'm playing for the Taoran Taoran City Leopards," as he said. My jaw dropped, my heart dropped to my butt. Like it was just. Unreal, because you know we do have quite a few players in Plus League and T1 who have played in the NBA before. But he is, you know, we could say he is a current NBA star. Like he could still play in the NBA. So to have somebody like that of that high caliber to be here was just like, who's gonna be able to broadcast this? And at the time, the commissioner of T1, his name is Edward, he reached out to our company. He has a good working relationship with the agency, and he's like. I need to find English broadcasters because you know T1 didn't have Chinese at the time. Plus League did, you know, obviously with Ryan. But I'm sure a lot of people were curious about this tiny little island right next to China. Like having Dwight Howard play here is just kind of crazy. So pretty big man on a tiny island. Exactly, <laughs> he is a ginormous fish in a very right. tiny pond. This isn't even a pond. This is like a, a, a puddle. A puddle, basically okay. a cute little puddle. <laughs> very cute little puddle uh, that people still miss pronounce like people still get Taiwan Thailand. and Thailand wrong. Mm. Yeah, I, I got that a couple of weeks ago back in Charlotte. They're like, oh, oh so you're from Thailand. I'm like, mm, oh. Yeah, you happens. didn't want to open that. Yeah, yeah but anyway, <laughs> so actually my first thought was to reach out to Ryan mm. because it had nothing to do with a league rivalry. It was something that was historical and Ryan has done all the work to establish himself here as a broadcaster. So I called him that same day and I was like, don't think of this favor as T1 asking. Think of it as your sister just asking if you'd like this opportunity. And he didn't say this on your podcast, but from my mouth to the, uh, the headset, and all exactly. he basically called back and said i will do it for 10 million taiwan dollars oh basically basically saying hell not nah. like <laughs> when hell hath frozen over exactly 10 million us dollars <laughs> so you guys were like scrambling how do we pay this man <laughs> i know we're, well first off how do we get that much money all the money is going to dwight howard but no so objectively speaking because he's a full-time employee for plus league he had to say no but i think he was appreciative but in my head, again, it was just, we were looking, I was looking, we were coming up with ideas. My coworker, his name is Daniel Ho and I, and we were thinking of a previous ICRT host. He also gets hired to 
be MCs that was out of the budget or, you know, people with broadcasting like $8 million. Dollars. Something like that. Yeah, okay. yeah. Just just shy of my of uh, my brother's okay. asking. Yeah, so it's- ICRT DJs. <laughs> you moochers. No, I'm just, <laughs> just play. But we were scrambling around and in my head, I was just, I impulsively raised my hand up. I was like, I'll do it. I'll try out for myself. If Ryan won't do it, I will do it on my own. And for some context, Sophia Song, she is a professional women's basketball player. Um, shout play- out, Sophia. Shout out, shout out to Sophia. <laughs> she currently plays for the WSBL team, Tyron. And she actually broadcasted a couple of games with Ryan that previous weekend. And I took her out for dinner to celebrate. And we kind of just joked around saying like, wouldn't it be amazing if we had two women broadcasters for the first time in Taiwanese pro ball history. And so I also had that in my head. So I put my name in the ring on behalf of Sophia and me. I called Sophia and I was like, we need to do this. And she loved the idea. She was like, okay, I'll get back to you. And an hour later, she had called back to me and she said, I actually can't do this. So what had happened was her coach wasn't too happy with her broadcasting with Ryan. Mm. Uh, It was just more so because WSBL, it's just a lot more low key. They're not really flashy or showy. So the coach was like, I would have preferred you to ask me for permission. So Sophia, just out of respect, was like, I cannot do T1. Um, mm. Also, it could be a bad look if, you know, if she's doing Plesley and right, T1. Right. I panicked a little bit, but she told me straight up, she said, you have to do this for the both of us. We manifested this idea. You have to follow through with it. And so I think with her encouragement, I told my coworker, Daniel, I was like, tell Edward I'm interested. So you like kind of officially put your I put my name, name in the hat. I put my name in the hat. Without and your road dog. Without, without my, my, my partner and crying without my sister from another mister. She's she's really my girl out here because we have a very similar background. She's from LA. I'm from the Bay, but it's mm. like we have the same mindset. We're very much way more Westernized and American. So with her confidence in me, it just it gave me a boost. And I think with that said, I tried out like the next day with the commissioner, Edward, and it was janky as heck. Um, yeah. We, so we, what happened? We, we had to... <laughs> Instead of like sharing the screen of a YouTube video of a previous game, our connection was bad. So we ended up. So this is online. This was online. So we ended up just going on YouTube. I called him over the phone and we just had to sync our YouTube screens. I was like, okay, go to hour one, one minute, 35 seconds, and we'll start from there. I'm ready. One, two, three, play. play. Did you play? Did you go on three or did you go on go? Oh, no. One second. I'm one second behind you. So it was just janky as heck, but everything was just like, go, go, go. Because Dwight was playing that weekend. I didn't have much time that week because my job required me to take MLB people around for WBC because we were hosting WBC that following year. So everything was just on the spot, on the moment. Edward and I, we called with my like- Quote, unquote, unquote, air quotes. Yeah, air quotes. Flying all over the place. Right. Just us calling two quarters. And afterwards he's like, I think, I think you're ready. I think you're going to do this. And hold on. So you're on a Zoom call. Not even a Zoom call. No, no, no. A phone call. Oh, it was. Yeah. <laughs> a video chat. And I could have easily, to be honest, I could have easily gone to his office. We were only two MRT stations <laughs> away, but. We just want to make it. We just had to make it more. Fantabulous. Yeah. We had to make the story exciting. You know, it's, it's all for the plot. 
Wow. Couple days of prep and didn't know who my partner was until maybe two days before. I think the date was November 19th. So right, exactly. a couple days before that, found out it was Charlie Parker. No way. So you had like two days to prep. Technically, yeah. Because like I said, I used to work for marketing. So yeah. and they, they host a lot of events. So WBC is one of them. They've hosted it back in 2013 before. They did it again this year. So that week, actually a bunch of WBC people came so I had to take them to the baseball field so I had to take them around I had to rub elbows with them so that kind of took a lot of time out of my study time so it was just jam-packed cramming like till two o'clock in the morning wow yeah and at that time that was I mean that was your job that's what introduced you to this kind of basketball gig right? yeah exactly so if it weren't for me working at the agency I wouldn't have had that connection with Edward with the job opportunity so I always have to give props to the people that have helped me out. So that also included my coworker and included the commissioner at the time. So, oh yeah. my goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you had two days. You learned that Charlie Parker, mm-hmm. the old coach for the national team, yes, the Taiwan national team, he was going to be your color commentator. Yeah, that's correct. It was really great. I definitely needed his experience and expertise because, you know, Ryan and I, we come from a sports background. We played, we scored games in high school. We were like in athletic council, but I never really had the coaching experience. I didn't play beyond freaking freshman year of high school because I hated running. So <laughs> I, I needed somebody with that expertise. And I remember very clearly the first game that we called, there was a lot of dead time for me because I was either overwhelmed or I was just trying to muster up words to say because, you know, there's a lot of timeouts or there's there is some time in between. So Coach Charlie Parker, he came in clutch because he would come in with these gems saying like, oh, yeah, you know, this player, I've had the pleasure of coaching and like he's really open to my input. And it's really great to see him evolve from SBL to, you know, where he is now as a T1 player. So it was Mm. really great to like get not only his knowledge as a coach, but just gems with his experience coaching so many of these players now in T1. Yeah, that's crazy, right? If you had a amateur with you on that first broadcast. Oh, man. Oh, man. I would have been scary. <laughs> I would have been like, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> I Start doing cartwheels and Oh, my gosh. Or- yeah, I would have. Ah, man, shoot. Ryan and I, we watch um, Whose Line Is It Anyways? Oh, so I would have had. Yeah. So I would have probably had to improv a lot more, um, which is what I actually tell a lot of people. I'm like, broadcasting actually has a lot of improv involved. And I didn't really quite realize that until, you know, throughout the seasons. And I kept broadcasting and learning and just through the process, figuring that out. Yeah. So what was that like going to the stadium and. Do you remember that day? I'm sure you do. I do. Uh, Sophia was was with me. She was taking pictures of me for me. And it was chilling, like goosebumps for me because in a way it was my high school experience, but blown up into a professional scope. Because again, you know, Ryan and I, we sat courtside all the time, you know, scoring these games and like running the scoreboards and writing up stats and whatnot. But to do this in a professional standpoint and to do it for Dwight Howard, it was just 
This historic game my, in Taiwan. Exactly. My mind was going a mile a minute, but then I had to stay composed because I couldn't be shaky on the broadcast. I knew I, I had to keep it together. I had to keep it professional, but it was just, it was incredible. I mean, like I'm still smiling thinking about it because it, it just, <laughs> again, I can't say it enough. It was an unreal experience to get the job with the experience I have to do it thanks to an NBA star. I right. mean, a lot of times I joke on the broadcast and be like, thanks Dwight for giving me my job. So mm -hmm. it was, it's very humbling, incredibly humbling because to be able to do it with Charlie Parker for Dwight's debuts, like just many emotions, all very positive. Oh man. And that game was crazy. That's was the crazy wild. thing. Because yeah. what if it were a boring game? You know, it would just it, it be would another- have, It would have been a letdown. I think a lot of people, I mean, you know, we got trolls everywhere, Twitter, PTT. Sure. Um, I, I think everybody, whether he do well or whether he did badly, there would be trolls all of over. Course. But it was just icing on the cake where it's like <laughs> it went over time. Dwight Howard nearly hit a triple double. Like it was just exciting. And it was a very, you know, CTBCDA is a very strong team. And, you know, they have Al Bashir, Rookie of the Year, the previous season. So it was just mm -hmm. Everything just came together so perfectly. I know. And yeah, Al Bashir went off day. too. So it was like back and forth. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think Dwight was really impressed by Bashir because, you know, talking to Dwight on the broadcast, he was really impressed with him. And I had to explain to Dwight, Bashir is considered a local player. He is a full-blown right. Taiwanese player Taiwanese. in T1 and now in FIBA. So right. he can play for the national team. Exactly. And he has. And he's, mm -hmm. he's definitely an anomaly like... He's got so many years ahead of him. So, you know, we'll see whether he stays in Taiwan or I can see him playing overseas you know, mm. where he goes. Like, I hope Dwight stays in the loop with Bashir for sure. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, that game. There's this uh, Twitter post from Ball is Life. It says Dwight Howard attempted 10 threes during his ridiculous debut in Taiwan. <laughs> The stats go 38 points, 14 for 32 shooting, two for 10 threes, which is ridiculous too. Just throwing up 10 three-pointers in this game too. Right. Eight for 12 free throws, 25 rebounds, nine assists, and four blocks. It's it's some crazy numbers considering the last season that he played for the Lakers. He wasn't a starter. I think he might have only played... 16 games. I could be wrong, but it just, these are some unreal numbers. Like even for a regular import player in T1 or in plus league, these are impressive numbers. And it's crazy because they were down like 20 points in that's the right. fourth quarter, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, And they just, they managed to pull through with, with overtime. I think in overtime, you could definitely see on DEA side, they were kind of getting worn out and the Leopards fans at the mm. stadium really lifted the Leopards up towards the end, especially with Dwight Howard. I think there was a couple of times where Dwight Howard was like lifting his arms. Exactly. Up, He's raising know? the roof. Yeah. Raising the roof, getting the crowd going. I mean, it was just whether or not the crowd was cheering for DEA or Leopards, it was just a good energy to have. And I think we all hope that Taiwanese basketball can be that way consistently. Mm. You know, I, I hope to see I told the commissioner, Edward, at the end of the season, I was like, you know, I hope down the line, Taiwanese basketball, it doesn't have to rely on an NBA star to elevate the fan base, to create that kind of energy and excitement. Like we need to figure out a way to 
to have that fan base without relying on, you know, stardom. Mm. It's it's a great foundation. It's a great start, especially with last season. But how do we do it without? So what was that energy like? And in the games that you have broadcasted, been to after that, has anything ever rivaled or matched that energy? I think it definitely has. This is the largest stadium, the Leopard Stadium. It's the same size as K Arena and the Kaohsiung Aqua. So I think the energy kind of did match up in the playoffs. It was the Tainan Ghost Hawks mm. against the Kaohsiung Aquas advancing to the championships against DEA. And it went down to five games. And, you know, Tainan Ghost Hawks has only been around for two seasons, but they have a very strong fan base. So they travel really well. So we saw quite a bit of Ghost Hawks fans at the Kaohsiung Stadium for game three and game four. I believe, or I'm getting the numbers wrong, but it was a really great energy because the level of play was actually, it felt about the same. Unfortunately, uh, Mindalgus Kupsha said the Aquas, he was injured for a good amount of it. So his absence kind of like brought the Ghost Hawks like a little bit of leverage or it mm. helped the Ghost Hawks. So honestly, that series was like, anybody can take this. Anybody right, can take back this. and forth. And, and again, you know, despite Dwight Howard not being there, the energy was was really amazing. And that was quite impressive. Um, another other instance, maybe not super positive, was back in February. The Leopards were playing the Taiwan Beer Hero Bears. It was a bench-clearing brawl, and Dwight Howard got ejected from the game. Not because he was, you know, he was fighting or in a brawl. He was breaking up the fights, but just out of technicality, you know, he came off the bench. He came off the bench, yeah, so he was ejected. No -no. But it was just, again, it was just for me to be able to call that, it, be there in person. Again, I had to stay level. I had to describe everything as a play-by-play -play person. I said, you know, here we are, the assistant coach coming after Smile. His name is Smile. Coming after Smile, after Smile and Xiao An are going at it. And here we go. The bench is clearing. Coach Jimmy's on the side. He's pulling apart players. And we see Dwight Howard pulling apart X player, the Y player. And no way. The, uh, and Rear naked choke. Uh, yeah, pretty. <laughs> with this, in the headlock, this is you. You know, now it's become WWE kind of, kind of situation. Yeah. Once uh, UFC <laughs> makes it to Taiwan. Yeah. They know who to find. Exactly. Joe Rogan of, oh. of Taiwan. Oh, boy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, some, something like that. Um, <laughs> Dwight Howard said that he was interested in being a part of WWE at one point. Uh, oh, there we go. Yeah, down the line or maybe maybe this upcoming season. Who knows? But that was also a huge energy boost from Taiwanese basketball. Again, you know, maybe not necessarily in a positive way, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's seeing these moments where it's like, Dwight Howard not being the center of attention where we see that energy, where we see the fans really going into it that I really appreciate. Mm. Um, but I cannot credit Dwight enough for being the start of that for T1 anyway, mm. so. Yeah, you mentioned the TSG Ghost Hawks. That was actually my first two guests. Shout out yeah. to Lester Prosper, Chuck Garcia as well. They yeah. were episodes one, two, and three, actually. On the second episode, they literally just sat here, kicked me off the mic and freestyle. <laughs> Lester took over as the host because he's absolutely hilarious and then just interviewed his teammate and then was later- he, Was he spitting bars? He was, uh, I don't know if he was spitting bars on that episode. Okay. But Lester is known to spit bars, okay. so- Is there a B-side episode or like a- <laughs> There actually is. Okay, maybe, <laughs> And yeah. we'll see, we'll see. I mean, there's like a million sides to Lester Prosper. Sure. Chuck Garcia as well. That guy has amazing stories as well. So. Yeah, he has a very interesting background too. I think you said that he's from SoCal or somewhere in LA. Exactly. Yeah. He grew up in Southern California in a hardcore crip neighborhood. Mm -hmm. 
you know, made it out of the hood, actually has some really interesting stories of almost making it into the NBA, Mm -hmm. but not getting in because of his tattoos, which Mm. is crazy because he's tatted from literally from head to toe. He's covered. Yeah. From nail to nail, from, you know, toenail all the way to his fingernails. (laughs) (laughs) I think he actually mentioned on the podcast that he got his first tattoo. If I'm not mistaken, it was a ridiculous age. I think it was seven years old and it was his mom took him so you can just imagine like what kind of life this dude has had uh, what kind of things he went through and kind of how naive he was going into the nba right and imagine how naive the nba was at that time they rejected him because of the tattoos which is crazy nowadays right yeah that's a very wild concept i think nowadays tattoos like seeing somebody without tattoos that's actually <laughs> yeah, exactly. more of a rare it's like, whoa, rare what case What's yeah that guy's story wow so shiny and so new <laughs> exactly yeah. and it's really it's really funny to see a lot of nba players in the start of their career they're like completely naked you know mm. no tattoos very clean shaven nor you know just straight edge regular looking kid and then you know As 10 years down the line by. it's just like a sleeves of tattoos and just climbs just up completely different yeah it's very interesting to to see these players evolve over time but that's uh, interesting yeah for that's sure. the same as the ufc actually <laughs> same with fighters as well yeah you'll see them in the beginning with like very little and then they'll be inked up Include, it helps. and, it helps then, and then including the uh, the broccoli ears and oh, the, the, the ears will be uh, exactly certain um, changes physically in their face exactly you know, see that tattoo evolution. tears <laughs> scars <laughs> right <laughs> right that's correct mm-hmm, for sure oh man so how was that brawl the brawl were you nervous Actually, no, not nervous. I think when I'm on the job, when I'm broadcasting, I'm pretty level. I show a good face. Like I'm pretty professional about it. Finding that balance, I think once I'm in it, you're just so hyper-focused. It's kind of okay. But in the moment, I was just like, oh, wow. You know, I I get to be a part of this. I was there in person. It was kind of interesting and a little bit, like I said, disappointing to see because the assistant coach that came after Chen Xiaorong, number zero, he's an assistant coach for the Taiwan Hero Bear and you never see an assistant coach coming after a, a player like that. It's I think there was some backstory between Smile and the assistant coach, but whatever beef that you have, you can't put that on the court. And what we on saw TV, there on TV with broadcasters, absolutely broadcasting in English. Yeah, actually, it was really funny. Twitter went off and it said, "Oh, Dwight Howard was a part of a brawl playing for T1." And obviously, again, he he wasn't partaking. He was breaking up. A fight but it was just funny out of all the things to get viral for you know this is he was part of a brawl in a taiwanese professional basketball like you know people from the outside probably see this and they're like wow taiwanese basketball is very unusual like right. it's very animated very they're quite passionate it's a very very nice way of putting it <laughs> from the outside yes it's fascinating it's a mess it can be a mess like a lot of industries here in taiwan whether mm. it's sports or um real estate or whatnot exactly like, it's it's lit. It's lit. Life in Taiwan. That's right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That is a concept that we're kind of sort of brewing, half joking, half serious. So yeah. Oh, we're serious. Reality, reality TV show, Life in Taiwan. It's lit. <laughs> so what is Life in Taiwan? What is this show? We are copywriting this right here. So 
<laughs> if anyone tries to take this, this is you are what it was say, uh, November seventeenth, twenty twenty three, at two exactly. fifteen p.m. here at the Daan office. <laughs> exactly, Firelight Chats, Firelight Academia. That's right. I mean, from my standpoint, life in Taiwan or lit would be about the people in the basketball industry, whether it's the players, the partners, or the wives of the industry, or. For me, at the time, as an agent of the industry, so not only what you see on the court, but what you see behind the scenes, off the court, the dealings of you know certain transactions or relationships with the player, coaches, players with the teams, and the things that you know we don't talk about or we don't acknowledge, but it's like the gray areas of our industry. Just kind of yes, yeah. We are talking about a reality TV show. Yes. Netflix, Taiwan. <laughs> if you are listening, what's up? It doesn't have to be Netflix either. It could be that's true. Else. It could yeah. be uh, Disney Plus. Whoever gives us ten million dollars first, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's a tall ass. That's that's pretty ambitious. I know, Ryan Chen. But you know, shoot for the for moon, right? <laughs> this story last time came from Selling Sunset because mm-hmm. Selling Sunset is a a very entertaining. Yeah, Netflix reality show. Yeah, it's in about, Los Angeles. It's about selling real estate in the heart of LA, prime real estate. You know, with these real estate agents, all female real estate agents, just rubbing elbows with people with a lot of money, with a lot of money to spend. A lot spend. of ballers too. A lot of ballers, and yeah, it's been going on for seven seasons, and it's 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 garbage TV. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, but it is entertaining as hell. Like we were just talking about watching the reunion. I was like, this is like religion for me. I'm just like, <laughs> it's it's on November fifteenth. Okay, I'm there. Exactly. Down my calendar. Check. Yeah. So why hasn't there been one in Taiwan? What do you think? What do you mean? Like a crazy reality show? Because as we know, Taiwan has enough content to fill a million crazy reality shows. That's true. And like I mentioned, like in a lot of industries here too. So there could be a lot of subgenres in reality TV. What do you think? That's a good question. I I'm not sure. Maybe not the right people with the right experience to produce a show or shows like that. Mm. I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of great ideas or concepts, like you know what we have right now or mm-hmm. what with you have with the podcast. But I think executing something like that is something that people need to figure out here. I think a lot of things Taiwan is behind in terms of trying to follow with the trends of the states. So. You know, behind on the times, and maybe people here aren't quite open to revealing their lives like that. I think we already have a lot of that on Instagram. You know, people mm. being celebrities just for being famous, mm-hmm. but to blow it up even more on a streaming network, I think that's a pretty big and wild concept for a lot of these people here. I know. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, Korea has really crazy, amazing. Series, mm-hmm. reality shows, very scandalous. They yeah. go deep. Japan has them as well. Right. What is stopping Taiwan? You know what? I think it'll come in due time, but it just goes to show that Taiwan is still very much under the radar. Still, you know, we're so far ahead in what we have technology and just the culture here in the last two decades that I think time will tell. Things will just slowly come to light, and there will be the right people to make these things happen. Whether it's to bring somebody from the states in or to have people crazy enough here to exactly. make these things happen, to execute the TV show, the podcast, or the movie, the documentary, whatever it can be. Mm. I think it will happen. When it'll happen is time will tell. What do you think would be the best storyline? You mentioned a lot of things like the business dealings, the basketball wives, the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's just so many stories there, and that's yeah. I mean, 
So I was conceptualizing this idea based on just my own life of working in the sports agency, working in the sports world. So I'm friends with basketball players. I have working relations with them and I'm friends with a lot of the partners. So, you know, I think one of the things I would have wanted to talk about is the treatment of players behind the scenes where it's like, yes, they have a great image on Instagram. They look great on the court, but are they treated fairly behind the scenes? Are they getting the medical treatment that they need? Because I hear, you know, when you're friends with these players, they're going to be more open. They're going to be honest about their own personal experience where it's like, I hear a lot. The medical system here is not great. I don't trust the doctors here. I would rather go to the States to get my knee looked at or to get my tear examined. You Mm -hmm. know, what they'd say here is very different than what a doctor would say in the States or as simple as, you know, what the wives deal with, the basketball wives, the wags of of Taiwan. That in itself, that could be a whole other extension of a show. But what they see in terms of the fascination of cheerleaders and the dance crews of these basketball teams and Mm. how brave these women are in approaching married basketball players. Like there's just so many little things. I mean, I talk about basketball players as player experience. I talk about the women's experience. I could even talk about my own experience where I am treated differently because I'm a woman in the industry in a male dominated industry that is still very new because people have to remember professional basketball yes we've had SBL for how many decades but professional Mm. basketball is so new and still very volatile that even working at an agency there's just a lot of gray area that I didn't get maybe the help that I needed or I didn't get the support that I should be able to get in the states where it's way more established to be fair the decades ahead of us but it's just things that experiencing in person it was it's been interesting um, I've had players and people above me, whether it's general managers or coaches, they make assumptions about me because I am a woman. So mm. those are things that are worth bringing into light so people can feel like they can relate, even though they're not in the basketball industry, they're not an agent, but they can relate to me because they probably experience gender issues or some kind of equality or some problems that I deal with. They feel it in a certain way in their industry. Yeah, you're touching upon like so many interesting topics. Yeah, it's a lot. Do you think it would be dangerous still nowadays to talk about these things? I think it can be. There's one particular area right now that's actually very, that can be very sensitive. I don't know. I'm very comfortable with talking about right now because for me, I am a full-time broadcaster. I'm not tied to any company. I'm not tied to a league. So what I've realized recently is, for instance, is the pipeline of foreign students coming into Taiwan. So for people that don't watch college basketball here, the UBA, it's actually pretty big. It's almost as big as professional basketball here. And we're seeing an uptick of way more foreign students. And you're going to notice that these foreign students, they're all from marginalized places, third world countries, primarily Africa. So you're going to see a lot of kids from Somalia, Nigeria, Senegal. (laughs) Senegal, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I'm not questioning the benefits because, you know, we have a lot of these UBA schools with huge sponsors or alumni that really care about the title. My concern is more so how these players are treated after university, especially recently with 
certain players getting cut. And I think these players don't realize that the dynamic of a player and an agent, a player should should be the employees. They should be telling the agent, hey, I'd like this to happen. You know, I see myself with this kind of contract and the agent should accommodate. And this is me coming from that experience. It mm. shouldn't be the other way around. And I'm realizing, I'm learning that these players, they actually fear their agents or their private sponsors. Mm. So with this pipeline, a lot of these kids come in through universities and these private sponsors. So just individuals, whether they're interested in just helping these universities or just for the sake of supposedly helping these kids. But if they're not like a all-star, if they're not say like Bashir, you know, mm. they're just kind of left alone. These players, they don't have they any other options. Good and have a big name. Sometimes they're treated pretty poorly as well. They can be. I think Bashir is definitely an anomaly because he grew up here. He is mm. Taiwanese. He speaks the language. So he can understand if how he's being treated is, is right or wrong. And again, just the sheer talent that he has. He's rookie of the year. He's MVP. He got the championship. Like he could do or he could say whatever. He, he could get away with it versus these foreign students that are playing in plus league and in T1 if they have something to if they're not happy with something I think they have to keep their mouth shut I mean I think it has to do with the filial piety and respecting your elders and showing your gratitude towards these people or sponsors or universities that you know you have given me everything here so I should show gratitude when it's not that they can't think like that if anything these universities these sponsors they have all the power they have the money but they can't expect these kids kids to show constant grat like the dynamic is really off because like I mentioned before these players yes they have to have they have to have their opinion they're regular human beings so to be mistreated by these universities and these individuals I think it's almost a human rights issue hmm. you know I have a lot of friends in the film tv industry here in taiwan and i hear the same things about agents agency and you know contracts and things like that in the film industry as well and i have some friends here from abroad who are trying to make steps to change that but it's really an uphill battle and it's very difficult absolutely so. yeah it's tough because these agents these universities they have all of the power because they have the connections they have the finances resources to actually say to these people if you don't do as I say, I will cut you off. I will send you back to your country. And again, unfortunately for these kids, these students or individuals, they don't know any better. They think that that is the way of doing things. And in reality, it's not. In the States, like that is incredibly unethical. It's a very unethical approach to treating these players as players, as individuals. I mean, yes, professional basketball will still be cutthroat. Like if you are injured from a team, you are cut. If you are not good enough, you're going to be cut. You'll get bought out. But I think it's just the management of these players needs to be really looked at by an association or it should be really, I don't know, it should be questioned more. I think people know about this, but people aren't really willing to talk about it because as I mentioned before, a lot of these individuals are tied to these powerful figures, powerful schools, powerful teams. Like you don't, you don't say these things out loud. Mm-hmm. Versus me, it's like I'm very fortunate where I don't have much to lose. I'm not tied to any of these companies or powerhouses. So if I have something to say, I'll say it. What do you think will change this? What will be kind of the impetus? It actually reminds me of this recent Netflix show in English called The Wavemakers that kind of kicked off a huge Me Too movement here in Taiwan yeah. with power dynamics, sexual harassment right. in the political realm as well. And that really created a lot of change, this Netflix show, right? So 
what do you think will be able to like kind of kick off this? What do you think will be the catalyst yeah. maybe? I think it's just, it just starts off as small as a, having a dialogue, whether it's on a podcast or having dialogues with just individuals about the issues at hand. Cause it's really easy to talk about, oh, you know, we could improve on the referees in Plus League and T1. But this small thing is an investment for the long haul. Cause if you improve this pipeline, it encourages more players to be curious about Taiwan. It encourages the youth to be like, hey, this seems like a great place. I've heard of my peers having good experiences working and living in Taiwan. And as of right now, they're too afraid to speak up. Mm. These kids are too afraid that they'll be sent back to their country, that they'll have nowhere else to turn to here in Taiwan and they'll be stuck here. They are individuals that should be able to speak their truth, speak their mind. And it starts with the people that have the privilege to talk about that. So with a dialogue, podcast, discussions, you know, it would be great to have a TV show, of course, but Mm. I think there needs to be more noise is what I'm saying. Exactly. So come talk to us. Yeah. Come chat. (laughs) We'll talk. So speaking of that, I mean, you had mentioned you got to see this a lot behind the scenes, right? You were at sports marketing. Yeah. Can you tell about how that came to be? Because you were living in the States, I believe. Um, Before that, this coincides, I think, with COVID as well. So what is that story about COVID coming back to Taiwan and then entering sports marketing? So I was living in San Francisco for almost a decade. I feel like I want to stay rooted in the Bay Area. My mom is from the Bay Area. So I went to college at University of San Francisco for communication studies. And I stuck around there. I kind of went around as, like a contract worker for graphic design illustrator. I kind of basically dabbled in like marketing, PR, program directing for SF State. But 2020 hit and COVID had happened, the world pandemic. And I was still in the States for a good half of the year. But my parents who live in Taiwan, they reached out to me one day and they're like, you know, you have Taiwanese citizenship. You could mm, you can escape. Come yeah, come back anytime. And I mean, long story short, for some reason, I thought I had to live in Taiwan for over, like not leave the country in order to get citizenship. But luckily, my parents from a long time ago, they sorted out my paperwork. So I just had to basically renew my Taiwan passport. And boom, I was here in Taiwan for like five, six months. My dad has a small share in the Lioneers. Xinju Lioneers in the Plus League. And the Lioneers approached me and they said, we like who you are. You have have a very like bubbly personality. We just like you a lot. Can we hire you for our agency? And I asked them, I was like, well, are you asking to hire me because you like my dad a lot? Like, are you just trying to rub elbows with him? Or do you genuinely <laughs> like me because you want to hire me? You want to see me develop here in Taiwan. You want me to help the agency itself. And when they said, no, we think that, you know, you could really help out with international players. I was like, okay, I have nothing to lose. I've always had interest in working in the sports field. But if I were to start from the ground up in especially California, I mean, it is oversaturated, crazy competitive. Mm-hmm. I'd have to start from the ground up and like not even interning. I I don't know. I'd have no idea. So incredibly grateful for that opportunity. Moved 6,000 miles back home. And yeah, I, I was I was at for two years. And during those two years, I was also working two jobs. So the broadcasting and the agency job. So what was your experience at <laughs> Kane, is, Kane, is, Kane is laughing because for those that don't know slash kind of has a reputation um, I actually want to ask you before I go off um, how do you know about this reputation of theirs um, 
I think a simple Google search will suffice. But there is actually recently, I mean, they even have controversy very recently with the WBC, right?、Mm-hmm. So it's recent. Yeah.、Um, but their story is quite interesting.、Yes. After, you know, kind of talking with you as well, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole <laughs> looking at their history. And the history is really quite interesting. You know, starting out these two dudes、yeah. really kind of hustling and、right. just like throwing events for all kinds of different things before they get into this kind of major. Your sports arena, right? Right. It was very. One of the Shinju tech companies. Yeah. It was based off of these two guys from back in 2006. They just came up with this idea of they love sports and they wanted to host events. They wanted to run a lot of international events. So they had been very successful over the years. They've hosted Nike camps. They've had an MLB All Star game come over with Bruce Bochy, the current、mm. World Series champ for the Rangers.、Mm-hmm. They've had WBC 2013. Like they, they've had all these amazing projects along the way. And now it's like they're still chugging along with hosting international events. But now, They have a basketball team. So the reputation that Kane was laughing about, it's, you know, how they got here. It's very much their mentality is do whatever it takes to get to where you need to be. And I understand that kind of hustle. I mean, otherwise, how else would you still be around? They've been around since 2006, like I mentioned.、Mm. So I have to give credit to that. But I think some of the things that they were doing or that they are currently doing, it's, it's very shady,、um, maybe almost illegal in the US standpoint, or as a from like somebody with corporate experience, specifically with WBC, I think from what I saw is I saw a lot of employees, my peers, just getting overworked. I mean, you know, very typically in Taiwan work culture, we're required to wear many hats with very little compensation for it, which I knew I expected, but it was just even more magnetized seeing it in the company that I work for. And, you know, to be straightforward, basically, and Lioneer. Are like one and one.、Mm. You know what? To be honest, I didn't realize they had a reputation when I first started working at the company. When I told、it's、people, the biggest sports marketing company. It, it is. It, it is. I mean, you know what? I, it's the biggest sports marketing company, but it's not the most reputable agency.、Mm. So the marketing part where it's like hosting events, that is really big. But、mm. on the agency side, I think it's relatively low key. We're more known for as a baseball agency. The basketball kind of came around a little bit later. But when I told people, I was from, they would always say, Really? Why? Oh, that's w- interesting. And I didn't know what that meant when I first started. I was just bright eyed, bushy tailed. I didn't know any better of what they were doing behind the scenes.、Um, so, did you go directly into basketball agency there? Yeah, the agency, it's, <laughs> it's basically comprised of like six of us. And so, when I say how to wear many hats, that was quite literally us. So, what I was doing, I was doing client service maintenance for baseball players, client service maintenance for the Basketball players and also signing the players themselves. Both baseball and basketball. Both baseball and basketball. And it was a good way of kind of figuring how things were run as an agency or just experiencing working with players to see, you know, the divas or prima donnas or the, the low key kind of players or the, the individuals. It was a very small core. We got along fine, but the day to days was a lot of it was just like taking care of the players, taking them to, to their hospital visits or taking them to. Go apartment shopping or suit tailoring, suit dressing. And I think one of the big problems I saw was that one, we didn't have enough employees to do this. Two, we didn't have the people with the proper experience. And that is definitely something that I saw with them. So, yes, t h e 
there have been OGs in the organization that have been around for a long time, but they didn't have proper mentorship to run certain things. So for instance, the basketball team, the Lioneers, the marketing, excellent. Where did you think that come from? It is so good. They're good at what they've been known for, but unfortunately the long-term projects such as running a basketball team was something that it doesn't align. That's a big task too. It's a, no, <laughs> I mean- It's not something easy, right? It's definitely not easy, but I think they're just, they're very set in their own ways. When people come in with suggestions or being like, hey, I don't know how I feel about a three-year contract extension with Guanlun. Like they have their own ways of doing things. And one big thing is if you're not willing to take advice or take suggestions, but you're complaining about your lack of growth or unable to make your company public, then you're literally part of the problem or you are your own problem. Because like I mentioned, in terms of the agency side, yes, it was great for me because I don't have very much experience. So it was great to just start the ground off running. But because I didn't have the right mentorships or the right people running the agency or running me, it was kind of like sink or swim in a way where it's like you either just you just figure out on your own. Yeah, Yeah, and, and that was very much how WBC was. It was chaotic. I mean, I cannot emphasize enough how grateful I am to be a part of that WBC experience. But behind the scenes, what people didn't see was just how chaotic it was, like coordinating with MLB, coordinating with the people on site and even working with some of my peers. They didn't know how to manage me, Um, not not because of a language barrier, just because they themselves didn't have the proper teaching or the proper training Mm. to train me. Mm -hmm. So it's a trickle down effect. And it just, it was tough. I'm just wondering how that kind of thing can change. Because if people like you, who I think could be a real important catalyst for that change, eventually either get burned out or leave, you know, or pushed out, right? Yeah. And then, you know, that continues that cycle where right. they don't need to listen, they don't need to change. Yeah. And I think it's really endemic in all of Taiwanese corporate culture, right? Yeah. This old thinking that mm-hmm. it's very difficult to change because young people all the time, you know, I'm talking to young people from all different industries and it's a very typical refrain. Nothing we're saying here is that controversial if you understand Taiwan, right? Exactly. But like, how does that change, you know? That's... That's the $10 million question, to be honest. I mean, I know a lot of my peers, they probably think the same way. Like, you know, some of my coworkers, it's like, I'm getting so burnt out or I'm going to bed at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. without any, not thanks, but just any compensation or is this really worth it? Do I really want to do this in the long term? But in terms of how to change that... That's tough. I think it takes people who have this pain or this experience to be running these things. And it's a Mm. lot easier said than done. I mean, because, you know, do these people have a lot of money to run a basketball team? No, unfortunately not. Do they have enough money to start their own company? Probably not. But it takes these individuals in the higher positions to be in the front office to have a say. And, you know, this could also be a gender thing where in another podcast, I talk about how we can progress in terms of women in sports. It's like, we have a lot of women in the industry. We have a lot of unhappy employees. Do we have these individuals in the front office or in these managerial positions? No. It takes somebody to just think that, okay, I'm going to hire somebody younger. I'm going to hire a woman. I'm going to create diversity within our front office so that we can progress. It's going to be uncomfortable, but it takes somebody brave who's like been in the in the managerial position to be like, I am willing to be questioned. I am mm. willing to be challenged by my peers, by a future peer. Yeah, it takes someone super brave, right? Yeah. Because that first person will probably be martyred. 
Sure. <laughs> right? uh, no, absolutely. That's yeah. why that's why I say it takes somebody exactly. to be very brave for somebody to be like, these individuals might push me out down the line because right. I'm old or I've come from the older mindset. But it's almost like a it's sort of a sacrificial thing where it's like in order to see progress, don't we aspire to see the betterment of whatever organization you're in, whether it's an agency, a basketball team, a school or whatever. It's like a country. Yeah. Isn't the purpose of you being here is to just make things better. So if you wish that on your organization, you should be okay with, I don't know, not being pushed out, but being challenged, being questioned. Right. Or is it just to maintain the status quo, right? I mean, it's certainly very easy. I get it. It's easy to be comfortable, but if you're not moving, it's just making any progress it's just so i'm just curious about the agency side how was your experience there being an agent in baseball and basketball some interesting things that you experienced or it's almost like being a glorified babysitter for the most part because <laughs> <laughs> like i mentioned there's you know i for people who are younger than me they probably don't know jerry Maguire. oh that nice. movie yeah. show me the money like Tom that Cruise. was yeah that was the thing that my dad told people he was like just tell people that you're jeremy Maguire. i'm like dad first off but no one showed me the money. <laughs> no one. Exactly. Like, the hell? Yeah, that does not work. That, <laughs> that metaphor falls flat yeah. immediately. Not only do people not understand because they're either not American or they're too young to understand the movie reference, but I don't make enough money to be able to say that. Or my athletes don't make enough money where my cut makes a difference. Right. Which, side note, um, the... <laughs> It's like, show me the respect, don't show me the money. I know, right? And I can't even get that. Like, where's the R-E-S-P-E-C-T? Come on, Aretha. Aretha. No one's going to get that reference either. I know. (laughs) Are we showing our age? I don't feel old, but dang. Like, man, that's sad. Um, (laughs) Anyways, uh, the agency side, what people don't know here in Taiwan, or at least my personal experience, the commissions don't go to us to the mm. employees, the commissions go straight into the company. So I think that was kind of part of the reason why I got burnt out. I was like, I don't really feel motivated. Yeah, you can't hustle to be an agent. I then. can't quite hustle. I mean, yes, it's great to be able to say, I signed these players like this, 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 all these international players, these are all mine. Right, but there's no incentive to do anything other than that. There's right? not much financial incentive. Right. And and again, I, I came into this knowing that I am gonna be shocked with the differences because again, I am a very American. I come from a world where agents have really just been doing this for decades long. So I knew that coming into it, but it was just experiencing it is different. So the commission cuts, they don't come to us. It's not crazy glamorous, which I already knew that. There's... And again, I was treated very well versus some of my peers. They would be getting calls at 2 a.m. from their players being like, there's a tabloid that came out about me and my girlfriend and I don't want news about me and my girlfriend. I'm actually going to break up with her in a couple of days. Can you like make this tabloid unhappen? And it's like, dude. Wow. You're a magic maker. Yeah. And there's certain times where, I mean, you see their true colors when we have to take the players out to dinner. Like you see that their personalities really come out. Because for the most part, Taiwanese players are pretty, not boring. They're just Mm, pretty mellow. They're not not standing out. I think that's another thing Mm. with Taiwanese basketball. It's like, we don't have that many just fun players, right. dynamic we don't players. Have Jordan Poole here. No, we, we don't have a Jordan Poole or I mean, <laughs> we don't have that many. You know, we have right. Oscar Gao, but he's not as consistent with that kind of energy. So mm. my uh, buddy Chuck Garcia was pretty uh, entertaining. <laughs> That's an understatement for sure. Shout out. Yeah, he he's I mean, he's fun to watch too. Like Love Chuck. Personality wise, player wise, he's mm-hmm. he's just overall very fascinating character. 
But yeah, agency wise, it was tough to work in a way because not only did we have to do agency stuff, we had to do sports marketing stuff. So when it came to WBC, we had to put off every, not everything. They expected us to still do our jobs at the agency 100%, but then still putting 100% in WBC. Mm. And it was frustrating because again, from the corporate standpoint, okay, are you compensating me for this? Are you compensating the overtime? And their overtime, they, they give us overtime. So like I was able to get freaking 30 days off after mm. WBC, like, which by the way, coolest experience, but I will say it's probably the most difficult work experiences ever in my life. I had to wake up at 5 a.m. and I went to bed as late as 3 a.m. because I was assigned in the transportation side of WBC, which again, you're putting people with zero experience in these fields, <laughs> aka me in transportation. <laughs> I have never like hired as many cars or vehicles as we had to with WBC. Oh, wow. WBC is a huge beast. You're it's in an, charge of the logistics uh, for this. It was insane. And That's amazing. I, I have done, I'm pretty logistical. I, I've run programs back in the States, but maybe like up to like 150 people, like 150 kids. It was a Taiwanese American summer camp that my brother and I used to be a part of, but like on an MLB like platform with hundreds of professional players and coaches. It was really cool rubbing elbows with these people, but I MLB didn't understand that it was severely understaffed and overworked because once again, the playing many parts, wearing many hats really had happened with WBC. So people that didn't do any transportation, they had to come in and help me. And they're like, I have no, you are asking me to help Taylor, but I don't even know the context because transportation, right. I can actually say objectively, it was the most complicated group of mm. WBC because of the timing, how many people we had to coordinate and the logistics of the vehicles just worked. I mean, WBC hired outsiders for transportation, hired outsiders for transportation. So I was the middleman being pulled on MLB side, pulled from side because MLB had their terms and conditions. You know, the coaches be like, I want this car 24 seven versus the work laws here. You can't have a driver 24 seven. So for us, we said, I had to translate. Okay, we have to do shifts. MLB side, it has to be the same driver every single day. Work <laughs> laws are very different. They contrast. So it's just like, just this back and forth tug, not only cultural difference, but work difference. And for me to be in the middle, like I snapped at one of the WBC employees just because I was translating the emotions of one of the, one of the transportation employees. She's and like- you translate very well. I translated literally. I was like, I'm sorry, I wasn't yelling at you. You mother- <laughs> It was, I mean, I got out of that. I I think I lost like 10 pounds over the two weeks of working on site because WBC was hosted in Taichung at the- Right, 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 right. Your brother went down there. Yeah, so he was, oh, he had a great experience. Like <laughs> here, my parents were, my brother was like hosting Mariano Rivera, the Hall of Famer of the New York Yankees. Yes, of course. Yeah, they really wined and dined and entertained him. My brother was translating him for like all these press conferences versus me, I am outside of the stadium. I kid you not, I only was able to watch two baseball games from that experience. I was so overworked. Here I am, like on our family WhatsApp group, you know, my dad's like, oh yeah, here's here's mom and dad with like Mariano, Mariano and his wife. And, yeah, and Where then, are you? Yeah, and my brother has a picture with Mariano on stage, with Sandman on stage. And, and I'm texting, I'm like, I'm outside of the parking lot. I'm just eating. It's three o'clock, like my first meal. 
like it's just <laughs> such contrasting like experiences of WBC and Man, I tell you, it was rough. I used to say that I would love to work for MLB and I wanted to rub elbows with people at WBC, but it was never say never. But man, they cannot put me in transportation ever again. <laughs> it was rough. You know, people who spoke multiple languages, mm. we were put everywhere. We were placed everywhere. So yes, I was in transportation, but then I was pulled to hospitality maybe, or I was pulled to translating for the people working in the dugouts, setting up the dugouts and whatnot. So when I was gone, the transportation people would be like, where are you? Like, we needed you for this. We needed you for that. So it was just like, it just was. Yo, you're in like the <laughs> toughest division and shout out to translators too. Yeah. Translators, interpreters. It's really one of the hardest jobs on the planet. Yeah. And I'm dual lingual. I can't translate. It's not easy. It's not easy. No, exactly. It, it's, it's a challenge. So I shout out, huge shout out for them because, and also just because you can translate doesn't mean that you can translate for a certain field. So that's mm. also something that we notice in sports with translators. It's like, yes, you can translate, but can you translate the technicalities? Right, exactly. Because maybe the coach would say one thing, but then you don't really know. Yeah, you're just translating verbatim, but right. you don't understand the right. context. You don't understand the context to thoroughly explain it in Chinese. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people we've had problems with, the translator would actually say their own plays. They wouldn't say what the coach says. They'd be like, they would say a completely different set of plays to mm -hmm. run. So, but yeah, it was translating. Oh, that sounds like fun. Easy. Uh, it was an experience. <laughs> I thought being away for a week, I took like two weeks off. My friend was getting married in SF and mm. I figured that would clear my mind. It would help me reset back to work. But um, coming back after WBC, it was it kind of felt like it was downhill from there for me. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. So do you see any rays of hope from your vantage point in the sports arena, the huge sports arena? Like, for example, from the agency side or management side or even player side, like, do you see anything that kind of brings you hope or some, you know, kind of signs of optimism? Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely do. I think. Plus League has been doing an amazing job with marketing themselves and doing the international outreaches, being a part of East Asia Super League. They're really making progress in terms of getting their name out there. Mm. So I think that's a prime example of like what you can do. And this was, they were created during COVID. I know. So it's like- Shout out to Alex Olin, <laughs> former EASL. Yeah, yeah. I, I've met him once. So shout out to you. But there is a lot of potential. You know, the fan base is only going to grow, I think. But I think- what needs to improve is the ownership and how things are run. The corporate oversight does need to improve. So, you know, while there is a lot of credit that I give to Plus League for marketing itself, I also criticize it in a way with how it's run. Again, I'm not targeting Plus League. I'm saying the same thing with T1. T1 is even more, you know, they're still trying to figure their stuff out. They don't have the reputation with, you know, thanks to Blackie because he had a celebrity clout to create Plus League. T1, it's just still kind of of making their way into the public eye. They did that thanks to Dwight Howard, but it's just kind of like there's things such as when Quincy Davis, there was a huge controversy around Q being an import player when everyone's saying he's a local player. Like there's things he behind the scenes. He gave up his passport. His yeah, he, he gave up. passport. Right. So objectively speaking, like he is a local player, but I'm just saying like the meetings, how board members or how board meetings are run and how things are voted on. 
They need to be coming from a third party standpoint. This shouldn't be run by a celebrity. A league shouldn't be run by owners of a team. That's not being unbiased. If you have owners running a league, they're going to have their own personal wants prioritized over the overall good of any league, whether it's plus league, T1 or whatever merge that'll happen. Because you know what? To be honest, that's going to be inevitable. Three basketball leagues in Taiwan for 23 million people. Do you know how small this island is? Exactly. <laughs> it's so freaking small. We have. T- I know. And the leagues are, are small, so too. So they're only dwindling down. T1 only has five teams right, at this point. Shrunk yeah. Over the year. And right. So, you know, there's word that there's going to be like a super league where it's like only the best teams from both sides become one. And I think that's a that's not good either, because if you're only going to the more basketball, the better, first off. But mm. it's just if you're going to be selective based on money, it's definitely not a problem. We have a lot of these shareholders who have a lot of money. If the basketball team isn't making a lot of money, you certainly have the backings of owners or the shareholders. So if money is not the issue, these people are just being biased and they're just doing it for their personal gains. For instance, if you're so sought out with having one team only in your city, I think you're just shooting yourselves in the foot down the line. It's just, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's like competition. It, it's fierce. It's here. not just competition. I think it has a lot to do with pride and ego and mm. having that ownership of being like, I am greater than than you. I am above you all. Like Well, you know what I think? I think this will make a perfect episode of Lit. <laughs> This is definitely one of the episodes. episodes. Yeah, pride and ego and all that. This is a super league of of a boys club or whatnot. Yeah, it's disheartening to see, but great television. (laughs) Great entertainment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so you said it didn't get better when you came back. You ended up leaving the sports marketing. Yeah, I I left the job. I, I left the job really out of, I didn't realize I was, experiencing burnout. I experienced burnout for the first time and I didn't realize that coming back until I came back to Taiwan and I was working and, you know, to be honest, I don't think I was the most overworked. I'm definitely not the most overworked employee at the agency, but I realized even the most menial task was exhausting for me. And my friend, she was like, you could be tired from a toxic environment or, you know, again, this is not a bad environment, but it was just like your experience with WBC. It sounded toxic. Like these things just really add up and they could really diminish your light. And I really felt that way. And I was like, oh, my God, like I really did. And so luckily, broadcasting was my gateway out. So things were kind of bubbling up at anyways. So it was just, it was my way of saying like, hey, broadcasting has been more of my interest. I think this is my time to go. Mm. So this was back in June. So I am uh, basically a full-time broadcaster. Nice. So the T1 season has begun. It has. So (laughs) what is the current situation? Current situation is the new commissioner, Harry, has air quoted, still talking to the broadcast network. So they said that there will be English broadcast, but we're probably not going to see it for another couple more weeks. We are holding you to that, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little disheartening. I mean, it's frustrating because the last commissioner he told me that there would be English broadcasting guaranteed. And actually that was the reason why I quit my job was mm. because I needed the reassurance, not only the social support, but just from somebody to be like, we need English broadcasts. And the commissioner, Edward at the time, he was the one who hired me. And he told me that 
we'll hire you back. No problem. And I was like, okay, I needed his word to quit my job, to go in on broadcasting. But unfortunately, he moved on without telling me the truth, went to become the Lineers GM. And so it kind of- This is after you already quit your job. This is after I quit my job. I think I the news came out in- I remember the timeline. It was like June or August and my Whoa. heart sank. It was, it that was sucks. very, it really sucks. I'm all about, I want my peers, my coworkers, my bosses to move on to greater things. But my biggest gripe was that I wasn't given a proper heads up about it. And I quit because of someone's word. And for me, it's like sometimes when a war, like the guy's word was his bond and it didn't work out. And luckily Harry came around and he did say English was happening, but I think just things have really slowed down. For one, T1 has budgeting issues right now. So they're still figuring that out. But I just, I lost that social support from the previous commissioner where I think he would have pushed a little bit harder for broadcasting versus now it's like the poor guy right now, Harry, he's figuring out just got all kinds of things to <laughs> deal with. He's got all kinds of other things to deal with. So it's frustrating, but that is what it is. Oh man. What else can I say? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully very soon. Yeah. Next week. You will we'll be on the air. Listen, we'll we'll see. I'm hoping that I can get on with with the broadcasting. I hope to bring on my partner, Scotty D. Shout out to him. He's been great. He actually made friends with Dwight. That's how we got Dwight on the broadcast is thanks to him. So yeah, right. Thanks to him. What happened there? Which game was this? When did Dwight come on the broadcast? He came on game one of the championship. So it was DEA against Ghost Hawks. And we were very fortunate. Leopards were already out of the playoffs and Scott just was able, he's a, overall a good guy. Like he, he loves to talk to the import players cause he loves to give them shout outs on the broadcast. So he just kept in touch with Dwight and Scott one day was just like, Hey, you're not playing, you're on the playoffs. You want to be on the broadcast? And Dwight was like, tell me the day. Like Ooh. bet, I'll come. And it was it was so great. I was so appreciative of that because in the very beginning, when Scott wasn't around, I was talking to people. I was like, if we were able to call his debut games, maybe we can get Dwight on the broadcast. And everybody just kept saying, he'll need money or it's not going to happen. He's too above that. You have to talk to all these agents and all these people, go through all these people. And then from that was November and then May, Scott was able to get him no problem. It was just the 180 was... It was amazing. So oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And Dario was great. Like he was I'd like to think he had a decent time on the broadcast. And, mm. you know, he talked about playing against seven feet, seven giants right. in Taiwan. Like <laughs> you would never see it. Like you'd that's never think talks. you'd see that in Taiwan. You know, he, Shaq was like giving him crap for playing a, what looks like high schoolers. But clearly <laughs> Shaq didn't see that he was playing against a freaking Maltese guy who's seven, seven and yeah. also Sim Bular, who was a giant man yeah he's a giant man <laughs> he, he used to play in the nba too so mm-hmm. clearly shaq didn't see that he talked about chicken ass of course uh for those what's who didn't going know. on with chicken ass well he dwight went howard uh, went viral for eating chicken ass unbeknownst to him he ate chicken ass at a night market like the first couple of nights he was in taiwan oh, that's okay. he was like it was like a chicken skewer and he was eating he's like whoa what's this, this is wow, really it's good. chewy it's chewy and the vendor was like oh chicken chicken ass chicken ass Chicken. And then his reaction, everybody's just like eating it up. And so there's all these memes and these videos on Instagram. It was like, chicken ass. Like, <laughs> just went off about it. So Scott wanted to call it out and be like, so chicken ass, huh? And he's like, yeah, it's actually pretty good. Not too bad. So he's very willing and open to try things and talked about his love for snakes. Mm. Love snakes. I think he said he had like up to 40 or so snakes Whoa, in his home in Texas. Crazy. 
yeah, just a fascination with those kind of slippery, slimy creatures. So when is Dwight coming back? That is a very good question. I don't know. It's interesting because he, you know, season already started. There hasn't been any rumors whatsoever. And he did mention it through other podcasts that he's ready to go back to the NBA. Clearly, no one has signed him yet. Unfortunately, he's going through some, you know, sexual mm. assault allegations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is he's posting in English and in Chinese. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot. I feel like there could, there could be a chance for him to come back. <laughs> But don't hold your breath. Right. Like, but I, I could see him coming back for like a visit or whatnot. But I, I think playing in Taiwan, I'm not really sure. I can see him buying a team. Oh. Um, buying one of the Taiwanese teams. And who knows? Shoot. Maybe he'll he'll have a documentary there of life in Taiwan. Dwight in Taiwan and how it is. Dwight in Taiwan. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. I mean, shoot. Anything is possible. If he can play in Taiwan, he could do anything here. So I don't know. TBD. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So in the terrible circumstance that broadcasting does not happen this year. (laughs) Knock knock on wood. Knock on a lot of wood. (laughs) Everything is up in the air right now. So what does the future hold? If broadcasting doesn't work out. For Miss Taylor Chen. Only fans. Oh, there you go. (laughs) We are launching the site right here. In my feet pics, <laughs> in my hands. I got nice hands, I got nice feet. Exactly. Um, no, 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 only fans. Life in Taiwan. <laughs> that's what it's, it's all about. It's lady like a titty. That's, what I, that's what's up. Um, no, 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 only fans. Um, you know, I, I've always told people ever since I moved here, I see myself back in the States. Not immediately, but just, I do see myself down the line. I love life here, way of life. It's cheap. My family's here. Mm. I have the foundation. What I'm doing, I wouldn't be able to do in the States, but I think I'm just more used to being in the States. That's where my core group is. That's who I am. I became the person that I am today because of living in the States. Living here in Taiwan as a kid versus living in the States as an adult, I think they're very different. Um, So who knows? Maybe if broadcasting really doesn't work out, I see myself applying to working at like Chase or Oracle or WNBA is expanding to the Bay Area. So down the line, you know, got to rub elbows and see if I can get my foot in the door with that organization. Because I I think that'd be great. Like I have experience here as a woman in a male dominated sport. So why not bring it back to the Bay Area, which where I'm rooted and where I love so dearly. Right. But as we said from the beginning, Taiwan needs you. Taiwan needs- (laughs) They don't uh, need me. Taiwan needs brave. Don't gas me up like that. I'm going to have a huge <laughs> brave ego now. ladies. Only, f- I mean, uh, ladies uh, like, yourself, <laughs> like yourself to ruffle some feathers, to change things here in Taiwan. Sure. Do you think there is any possibility that you could enter the sports arena here in Taiwan, either now or maybe even in the distant future? Do you see some kind of hope or possibility of that? Yeah, of course there's, there is possibility. I, I think the biggest holdup for me, and it is a big mess, thing I do acknowledge that is the language barrier. I think my brother has been very good about assimilating and whatnot, but because in my mind, I always think about how much I miss the States or how much I see myself in the States. It's like, I don't speak Chinese as much. I don't speak Mandarin. I don't, I don't integrate myself as much with local people, my peers or coworkers. Like if I, if I meet somebody that speaks English, I'm going to get I'm going to be tied to them. I'm going to speak English. I'm like, you speak Mandarin too? No, I'm going to, we're going to stick with English. So (laughs) never say never. I, I think I have a place. I think I see value in me not running a show, running the big show or running a team, but 
but I do see myself there. It's just more so, am I willing to put in the work of integrating myself more? Um, Getting pushed down quite a few times along the way as well. Yeah, I'm very self-conscious of my Mandarin. We were talking before the podcast that I was on another one and I was speaking Chinglish the whole time. Pretty (laughs) much, to be honest, 80 up to 90% English, 10% Chinese. On a Chinese podcast. Yeah, on a Chinese podcast, I felt so bad and I I had way more to say. I just have way more to say in English. You know, it's my mother tongue. So Mm. I think that's how a lot of people feel with their first language. So, you know, this was also another conflict I had working at the agency was like, do I try to assimilate, but it takes more time by speaking Chinese, like maybe not efficient, maybe not speaking like fully or not really painting the right or proper picture. Mm. Or do I just do my job, but not assimilate by speaking English? Because there were moments in time where my job was like, I wasted maybe 30 minutes speaking or typing in Chinese. And then when I finally wrote in English, like my point, they just, I got the job done quickly or I was able to get what I needed to do done. Mm. Like I'm always at a, I'm always not really sure what to do. According to the Taiwan government, it's going to be bilingual by 2030. So you can just, uh, <laughs> I just have to wait another you just have to wait a couple years, seven, seven years. And <laughs> the country will be fully bilingual. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Of course. Well, we'll see. I mean, TBD. Maybe TBD. by then I'll I'll marry a freaking billionaire and I'll be in Selling Sunset working in real estate or something like that. Exactly. <laughs> and just have a team here on the side. Right. Who knows? Who, Who knows? knows what happens down the line? Or, yeah. or maybe going to your true passion <laughs> of painting. Oh my goodness. And art. You know, we've gone deep into basketball, into politics, into life in Taiwan. We've been lit until now, but we haven't gone to what I mentioned at the outset. Yeah, you um, you painted quite a picture. Yes. So what is art to you? If you see her IG, you will see some very interesting paintings. Some Taiwan scenes with some classic American or other cars as well. Yeah. Um, ever since high school, I was really interested in painting cars, not on cars. I have to explain to people, I'm like, not on cars. They're my subject. I like to paint pictures of cars. Right. Again, it goes back to growing up in Taiwan and missing that American experience. The experience that you see on like movies like Ferris Bueller's Day Off or 16 Candles or you know like freaking mean girls like she just I, dated herself again <laughs> i know right i'm not you know what i'm not even that old i know which is hilarious because oh one of my gosh. other guests said that and he's about 50 something and oh my we were talking about ferris bueller <laughs> No. So she hasn't quite reached 50 yet. No, but, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm. But she's a well-educated young. woman. She yeah. knows her culture. She I'm knows very, Ferris Bueller. I'm very cultured, educated and educated lady here. So all of you who don't know, oh get on it. You know? Um, Maybe uh, never been kissed or the kissing booth <laughs> on Netflix. Those anyways, my, my point Taylor is. Taylor Swift. Yeah, we're just starting naming artists. Exactly. Just young, nowadays. young folk. Gen Z stuff, the TikToks TikTok. and whatnot. Just say TikTok <laughs> over and over. Oh my, the TikTok. Um, no, I, again, I, I miss, I miss the American high school or just the American experience. Cause I did go to, like you mentioned before, I went to TAS, but it wasn't the American experience that I genuinely wanted. The one where- What do you mean? It's a Taipei, Taiwan American school. (laughs) 
I think it's just still, it still felt too Taiwanese. Like mm. I, I wanted to live the life that my mom lived where she would walk to school or she learned how to drive and her, her father or her grandfather taught her how to fix a car. Like I didn't do that because again, it was my upbringing living in the city, living in Taiwan, maybe in the class that I am in, which is, you know, on the higher, higher side. I didn't have to learn these things, but I was always fascinated and I wanted to experience that. And there was a particular movie I watched and this is going to sound even more dated, but it's called The Pink Cadillac Starring. Um, oh my, what, is, what century was that in? <laughs> Like the 70s or the 80s. Oh, 18, 1870s, <laughs> 1880s. Oh, back in the day where, cat, where the cars had chrome it was and it wasn't made horse, out of plastic. A horse called a pink a Cadillac. Horse and a buggy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where it was it was black and white it was no exactly. there was no sound can't believe they called it a pink Cadillac oh my gosh yeah we didn't we didn't have pink that color didn't exist back <laughs> exactly. in the day um now Clint Eastwood you know he had many of his like spaghetti Clint western who? Hey, who Clint uh so pink Cadillac <laughs> yeah pink Cadillac it's a crazy. cheesy spaghetti western um it's a classic but, but just watching the actor or like just the character drive a pink Cadillac down the strip of Vegas like mm. and we all know Vegas is just like just saturated with like greed capitalism it's it's not truly America but I was what just happens in Vegas right it's, it's insane like Vegas is a wild wild west in itself still mm-hmm. but I I loved how it's so different compared to my life here and so the cars that I paint are basically the reflection of me and that want to live the American experience mm. you know not to say the America back in the day was better I mean it wasn't but it was just pictured in a in such a beautiful way that I thought it was aesthetically pleasing and it was right. beautiful yeah it's just nostalgia yeah the nostalgia so quite a few of my paintings it has the mix of American and Taiwanese so I would paint an old car such as like a Pontiac or my mom she drove a Datsun back in the day mm. contrasted with like the Grand Hotel this giant beautiful but intricate Taiwanese structure just the contrast of I mean Datsun it's not American but the other mm. ones there they are old American cars from like the 50s and I love the contrast of American and Taiwan Taiwanese yeah it's amazing so you're actually painting this on canvas how big are these paintings and what is the medium I mean what are you using yeah so I I use acrylic paint and these they go about like maybe well I go by inches um mm-hmm. they could be 40 by 36 inches or as big Whoa. as like maybe 200 oh inches. no way yeah Which yeah one is so 200? the one is like it's all black it's the phantom it's this a 1925 Rolls-Royce Phantom. Whoa. They only created a limited number, very small number of these Phantoms, but it's just the shape of these old cars are just so unreal and beautiful for me that I just, I like to paint them. And I don't know, it's very therapeutic because a lot of these paintings I do, they're very intricate. Like it's blinding because of how close I have to be to the canvas, but. Mm. Yeah, I saw the detail on this one. Yeah. The Chiang Kai-shek Memorial Hall. Mm-hmm. With the arches, yeah. Yeah, with the arches. Mm-hmm. And you show a little close-up of the detail as well. Yeah. And it's I, good, girl. I'm not, thank you. I'm not going to lie. I hated that part. Freaking arches. The repetition was was awful. But the car itself, 
the payoff is so great because I love the, another reason why I like painting the older cars, not because of sentimental reasons, but the cars in the 50s and 60s, they still had chrome. And I love mm. painting the reflection off of chrome. It could be whatever that is reflecting of it. And this one at Chiang Kai-shek, it's almost you see the sunset yeah, on the reflected exactly. on the chrome. And I just I love it. Like details. Yeah, the de- I'm all about the details. And impressive, you know, for people that don't or for the times where I don't have time to explain my sentimentality, I just tell people I'm like, I just like cars. Right. And I do. I do like car. I I know nothing about the mechanics of it. I don't know how to fix a car. Probably still have to go on YouTube to learn how to fix a tire. But (laughs) I just I think they're beautiful. There's something about a car. There's something about a car. They're sexy. They're Mm. they're sexy. The symbol of it. Like, I love it. I love it all. Have you ever ridden in one of these cars? Low riding? In San Francisco, I haven't like a chola. I I haven't. You know what? It's uh, when you're when, <laughs> when you're in the Mission District in San Francisco, you definitely see a lot of these cars, and they're really tricked up and they're gorgeous. But I actually, unfortunately, I don't know anybody to be able to sit in one. I've seen them just cruising, like that's mm. really cool. I love seeing them driving up and down the streets of the SF and even down in San Jose. But no, I like I, hydraulics. Yeah, bumping, with the hydraulic. Oh yeah. Everywhere, I've seen it. it's it's so <laughs> rad. Like I have, I mean, even now in San Francisco, you even see like what is it? The cars driving and donuts and whatnot. Oh, I, I right. still haven't gone to one of those. Like, ooh, there's a lot of things for yeah. you back I'm, in Cali. I'm still supposedly young, even though it doesn't sound like I know. <laughs> Pink Cadillac, Pink Cadillac, <laughs> freaking sixteen candles, and um, what is it? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Exactly. It's not like I'm already. In, but I, she's I'm still eighteen. I'm so. not quite young. I can rent a car, people. I am over twenty-five. I'm twenty-nine for people that want to know. <laughs> not only twenty-nine, yeah. and not only looks much younger than that, but also incredibly single. <laughs> For all those men out there who are captivated by this voice, by this story, by this amazing figure. If we uh, if we look at some other of these uh, IG photos. I appreciate you pimping me out because my parents are too hyper focused in uh, pimping my brother out because he's the older one. Thank you. That's true. We didn't we didn't give a shout out to Ryan. I don't think we talked about that on the podcast. Ryan is very single and he's very available. Exactly. He's a good man. Double announcement here. A very good boyfriend. He's very good at spoiling his uh, his partner like speaks English and Mandarin. And he's open to Taiwanese or non Taiwanese. Someone who's more American. So okay, something ladies ladies get on it. No, yeah. Before it's too late. Nah, the voice of the PLG. Yeah, and the brother of this fantabulous <laughs> woman. I'll stop. You're you so get two. Sad. You get two for the price of one. Oh my goodness! Yes, <laughs> I smooth better your voices in your ear. Exactly, <laughs> left ear, right ear. Mm-hmm. You can't escape them because they're in the same house. I know. Seriously. So you literally can't escape them, whether you like it or not. Right. We live under the same roof. We are roommates after all. So. So yeah. what about you? Who is your ideal man other than this giant here, it, Dwight Howard, uh, someone like that? Oh no, 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 no. No. Athletes are are Athletes not Athletes are type. no, no. Oh, They're, you just broke the heart of, of everyone you're commentating of, on. Of one person. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, never say never to athletes, but I was always against dating athletes because of when I was at the agency, it was a conflict of interest. And even now, it's just I feel kind of icky about it because my peers and my friends are athletes and and also just hearing the stories from my mm-hmm. girlfriends in itself. So that from that's the 
lit behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. So that was that's really the reason why. It's just I just morally I don't see myself with one. Mm. Who knows down the line. But I think for me, I'm a little bit more particular than my brother, somebody who's more westernized American, because we, we talked about it before. Mm. I I need to be able to speak my truth and I speak it more so clearly in English. And so you certainly do, ma'am. <laughs> I try. I, I put on a face. I fake it. This is all the vocabulary. I know everything else. <laughs> so is that difficult here finding that kind of dude here? Angela and I, mm. uh, in a previous podcast, we talked about the difficulty because she is also an international woman, powerful woman. So for her, it's quite difficult to find someone with yeah. this kind of international mindset. Right. here in Taiwan. As she joked, and I told you about this last time, mm -hmm. she joked that, no, these guys actually do exist here in Taiwan, but they all have eight girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, right. They're they're dabbling. They have so many options. Exactly. They're at one spoon and all these flavors. This freaking, the 31 flavor, Baskin, Baskin Robbins, Robbins with 31 flavors. Exactly. And here I am with one spoon, baby. Um, I mean, I think that's an uptick with a lot of women, even outside of Taiwan. It's just, mm. we're getting higher education. We're speaking multiple languages. So we're establishing our careers first and maybe that makes us more particular. So and yeah. Dudes can't keep up. Dude, dudes, I'm, get on your game. I'm saying. You're get on your game, <laughs> cowboys. That was up. another uh, mm -hmm. That was another post of yours. Yeah. Save a horse, ride Save a cowboy. Save a horse, ride a cowboy. Yeah, I am open to- <laughs> to, to, to saving a horse. To saving a horse. That That's right. That, that, that Horses. <laughs> we love it. I'm uh, very much- We love You're animals. a big animal lover. I, I love horses. Ponies, yes. Mm. Exactly. Um, But no, I- <laughs> Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, it, it, it is the it horse. is tough. Um, I think people treat, the, the people that I'm interested in, so more international, westernized, they treat Taiwan as a more transitional city. They're here short-term vacation, contract by like a their tech company or mm. a military service. So my type or my pattern is geographically unavailable men because when I'm back in California or wherever I am, I'm like, oh attractive or like oh there's there's potential people out back in the bay or wherever i am in the states and it sucks because it's like well i have to establish myself here first and mm. my work is my priority right now so unfortunately like people i'm interested they just they stay where they are or they go back they to where go. they're from yeah it's it's a come and go kind of situation so I I feel the same way with uh, Angela. Like yes. it's it's not easy, but hey, I do appreciate the freedom that I still have because I'm not gonna lie. I am the token third, fifth, seventh, eleventh wheel amongst all my friends, Taiwan <laughs> and in San Francisco. I am Miss Worldwide, like Pitbull <laughs> Dale. Um, Dale. Yeah, I am. I am. I am Mrs. Mrs. Third Wheel everywhere. <laughs> but what I do appreciate, because you know, as much as my friends they love their partners they have things to complain about or mm. they have to coordinate if they want to do something it's like do you want to be a part of it or i just need to tell you ahead of time and i'm like i love that i can just go off to a place without having to ask anybody telling mm -hmm. anybody and there are partners there are relationships that give each other that freedom but that's very rare so mm. i right now i'm like i love what i have just what i miss is just having somebody to be able to at the end of the day just tell them about my day and mm. and obviously you know it's like it's hard to come by we don't have that angela and i <laughs> you don't have that, so yeah exactly we'll bring you both on a special episode oh when boy. you find your man <laughs> oh boy yeah how did we mean all that exactly and, and mm -hmm. who these fantastic men are who have stayed in taiwan 
Right. We'll see. I, I mean, who knows? Maybe down the line, I'll be back in the States. I, mm-hmm. The possibilities are endless. So mm. I, I'm trying to savor with what I have right now and appreciate the time that I have, the freedom that I have for sure. Mm. Yeah. I love it. It's amazing. So here's to hoping that this new season of the T1 gets kicked off very soon with English broadcasting. Any T1 head honchos out there listening, <laughs> come on. The world is waiting for this voice here. So I really like bring her on, it. man. Let's get this going, right? Let's keep the ball rolling. Let's keep the ball rolling yeah. for Taiwan basketball, for Taiwan, for this girl, <laughs> for the world. For the world, Miss Worldwide. Miss Worldwide <laughs> is in the house, and we don't know where she will be. But while she is here, it's been it's been fun. It's been a it's been a ride to say the least. Yeah, I just want to thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your views and being so brave as well for saying the things that you say and speaking up about the things that you think need to be spoken about. I think it's as I mentioned before, I think it's a super brave thing and an incredibly important thing as well you you. Know, for Taiwan. I really appreciate you having me on here and. It's it's really cool that you're you're bringing up people and just you mentioned it before the best way of learning and educating yourself is having dialogues with people from all around the world and with different backgrounds so i really give props to you for doing that and for lifting other people up mm. to give other people the opportunity to voice themselves so Oh, thank you so much. Nothing but love, girl. Yeah, All likewise. Right. Yes, beautiful. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, surprise, Ryan, because Ryan, does Ryan know about this? I didn't tell him. Awesome. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, Ryan. <laughs> Hi. All right. So we will see you all next time. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Peace. peace, peace, peace.